the Gritty Growing Up podcast. Because mental health conversations don't have to be uncomfortable and argumentative. Gritty Growing Up is about challenging the perceptions of childhood and recognising that whilst it isn't what it used to be, we can still make it positive. Join us as we share conversations, knowledge and strategies to help your family connect and move forward together. Welcome back to Gritty Growing Up. Now this episode, I want to dive into some of the challenges facing young people's mental health right now. So many young people have experienced symptoms of mental health since March 2020, whether it's stress, anxiety, disordered eating, self-harm or intrusive thoughts. But is the lockdown solely to blame? Today, I want to look at a different stance. Pre-lockdown, we lived in a world of non-stop opportunities. Shops were open seven days a week, activities were available every night after school, Amazon delivered 24-7 and there was a sense of never-ending distractions. On March 23rd, 2020, the world stopped. It didn't slowly come to a close. It was a grinding halt. The train crashed, the world stopped and we all went into our houses and stayed there for the preceding month. For perhaps the first time, people were forced to sit with their emotions. They were forced to listen to their own internal dialogue to fill the emotions that they'd been too busy for, and it had a huge effect. Gone were the distractions of school, friends, hobbies, activities and clubs. There was no escaping it. There was no escaping it for children, adolescents and adults. We know that in the moment we rarely process things. So as the days and weeks progressed, we were put in a position where we had to deal with our historic worries and issues. Those things that we'd avoided for so long suddenly were unwanted visitors in our minds. There was no distraction because everything was closed. And slowly, stress and anxiety rose. Those uncomfortable feelings began to increase, slowly and steadily. And without the opportunity for distraction, avoidance, face-to-face therapy to access, even just those little things like having a face-to-face appointment with your GP, suddenly everything started to change. We internally moved into our bedrooms and away from connections and everybody began to shut down. Those emotions got bigger and for some people those emotions were uncontrollable. And for some young people, for some children and for some adults this was a really fearful experience. Having to confront the demons in the cupboard and come face to face with our monsters is tough. It's like a real life horror movie. There's an obvious gap in emotional literacy teaching in the UK. Many children, teens and adults are really unable to sit with their emotions and recognise them. For many of us, it's never been taught. People don't know how to move through those difficult feelings, that overwhelming sense and recognise what their emotion is and how to label it. And if we can't model this as adults, how do young people learn to do it themselves? Distraction has therefore long been the greatest maladaptive response to stress, anxiety or to difficult emotions. If I avoid it, then I don't have to deal with it. If I put it in the cupboard, then I don't have to face it. So therefore we engage in safety behaviours that allow us to not resolve the problem, but instead just get away from it. Who wants to sit with an uncomfortable feeling? And there lies the problem. Children need certain variables to have positive well-being. Education, stimulation, social connections, exercise, nutrition, sleep and routines. And when lockdown hit, Changes affected every single aspect of life. For many, education was no longer formalised. Everything was moved online. 
For some parents, this alone was a massive stress. For some young people, the lack of rigid routines and structure was a stressor and a trigger. Having to self-structure and self-motivate us is a huge skill for so many, and finding internal motivation to complete that schoolwork was really challenging for so many people. So therefore, our stimulation and our education reduced. In terms of stimulation, we were removed from the opportunities to go to parks and zoos and fun fairs and go on holiday and go to activities and clubs and hobbies. So our engagement, our stimulation became online. Social media, Zoom, apps, gaming, online quiz nights, every single opportunity we had to connect was via some kind of technology. And as the weeks went on, this meant that for many, they lost interest in so many things. We became addicted to screen time, but equally fatigued from constantly looking at that screen. In terms of social connections, we know that children are social creatures. They need connections. They learn from their peers. They develop so many skills from spending time with their peer group. They gain so much developmentally from connecting. Hormonally, they lose out without those face-to-face connections those moments to develop that oxytocin release as we hug or laugh or have fun with our friends. Exercise was capped at an hour a day and suddenly clubs ended, hobbies ceased and a daily walk was not of interest to all children. Lack of exercise meant a lack of endorphins and serotonin, which therefore meant a lack of well-being. We know that exercise is conducive to good mood. Without that exercise, suddenly everything dropped. Even if it was just that lack of that walk to school, those PE lessons, we suddenly started to learn the value of them. In regards to sleep, for many sleep routines, became disrupted. Without enough stimulation during the day and without enough exercise, many children slept too much or not enough. Some children couldn't get to sleep, some could not stay asleep, others struggled with nightmares or restless sleep. At the other end of the continuum, so many young people flipped their body clocks on their heads, sleeping all day, awake all night. Routines without the structure of school, for many children, their well-being suffered because our routines changed. We had a sense of feeling out of control, lost or despondent. Our brains are pattern focused. A lack of routine means that our brain loses sense of what comes next. When we lose sense of what comes next, we find our motivation and mood dropping simultaneously. There's no one to blame. The situation changed rapidly. There was no plan to follow. No one knew what to do or how to handle things. So everyone just did their best. Many in addition were also planning their own workload from home, worrying about family or juggling other issues in addition to these stresses. But we can understand retrospectively, which is always the way, how things took a steady decline. How our children and young people's mental health suddenly dropped why adults are feeling that they're struggling. But is the lockdown to blame for mental health? For many, personally, I don't think so. Many of us had historic issues to deal with and this opportunity of lockdown meant we had to deal with them, whether we liked it or not. It just simply put an end to maladaptive coping strategies. It meant that avoidance was no longer an option and we had to deal with it. The problem was we didn't have the resources to cope with it. We didn't have the foreplanning and the knowledge and understanding to recognise that this was going to happen. However, it also tells us that this summer we need to be aware that children, adolescents and adults will begin to process the first lockdown. This is our first time for some downtime, some regular routine and a space. So therefore we're going to start processing the next thing in line. 
So therefore, for some of us, this won't happen straight away. It might be another year or two. For others, they are going to begin to face some of those uncomfortable feelings again. And for some, uncomfortable feelings for the first time. So we therefore need to consider how we can take the learning from that first lockdown and how we can consider how we support mental health and well-being moving forward. So I'm going to give you six things that you can start doing today to support your family. Number one, do you know the signs? How confident do you feel about recognising and understanding the signs of poor mental health? How safe do you feel in your ability to recognise that difference between being a little bit lethargic and veering on low mood and depression? How confident do you feel in understanding the many signs and symptoms of anxiety? How open are your conversations at home that you might pick up those trigger words that might indicate to you that we need a little bit more help? If you're not sure, if you're not understanding or you just feel like there's a gap in your knowledge, do hop over and check out our articles at dandelionetraininganddevelopment.com and go and start briefing yourself today. Number two, access help if you have concerns. There is no shame in saying I'm struggling. Whether it's you're struggling for yourself, you've got to worry about your child or you've got to worry about your teenager. The earlier we intervene in mental health, the better the outcomes. So accessing help through our GP, through the YES service, through self-referral, through our school or through private therapy is always an option. And the earlier this is done, the better it is for everyone. Number three, scheduling some downtime. It's going to be really tempting this summer to make it a summer for children and teenagers to remember, to fill it with opportunities, days out, activities, holidays and events. However, if we take nothing from that lockdown, it's to remember that downtime is fundamentally important to our mental health. And if we have downtime on a regular basis, we are more likely to recognise and understand when mental health is suffering. So therefore, whilst we might be really tempted to make things really, really busy, let's just ensure that there is some downtime so we have some time to process. Number four, develop some emotional literacy skills at home. Actually learning to understand that it's okay if my feelings are big and uncomfortable and that actually if I sit in them just for a little while and learn to recognise what they mean and how they are affecting me, I can put a label on them and learn to respond to them with compassion. Number five, model coping with mental health. Learn strategies, techniques, and how to have those conversations yourself. The more confident you feel in coping with your own mental health, the better the support you are to a child and young person in your home. Number six, be compassionate. You might not understand it, but you can be understanding. If you missed our episode last time, then do hop over and check out our historic episodes where we spoke about the importance of compassion And that we don't actually have to understand why sometimes we just need to understand that someone's struggling. This year we need to stop ticking boxes and we need to start changing our approach. It's okay if things are a bit lost. It's how we're actually responding to it that really matters. So until next time, stay safe, keep talking and we're going to be back really soon with more gritty growing up moments. Stay safe, keep open-minded, and we'll look forward to sharing more gritty moments with you next time. If you want to up your knowledge in the meantime, head over to www.dandeliontraininganddevelopment.com. 